Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 683. Our guest is the mighty Marty Friedman. You know him. You love him. He's a legend. He's a virtuoso. He doesn't like the term virtuoso, though, right? What does he like? He, he didn't even... Did he like Shredder? No, he didn't like Shredder. He didn't either. like Shredder either. Yeah. He's just it a just, badass fucking guitar player who it, smokes man. most fools. <laughs> and uh, just want to tell you about our sponsors real quick. And thank you if you've gotten your tickets to Milwaukee Metal Fest. I will see you there May 25th through the 28th. Make sure you go to the pre-party Facebook page and hit going. Okay, so we can gauge our head count. That would be very kind of you. And we still have about um, half a dozen VIP meet and greets left for the pre-party. If you want to meet Paul Bostaff, Rob Dukes, Chris Garza is going to be there now. And he's going to be doing live podcasts over the weekend. We'll roll out that schedule this week. Also, Kirk Winstein, Phil Demmel. Phil is, I can't wait for Phil to get up and wait till you see the songs we're going to play in the jam with Phil. It's going to be great. Go to the rave.com slash metal fest and get your tickets. We will extend the National Concert Week sale, I think, a couple more days. So if you've been on the fence, go get your tickets, therave.com slash MetalFest. And speaking of MetalFest, we have a great sponsor who is not only going to be there vending, but they also sponsor this podcast and have been so supportive. I'm talking about IndieMerchStore.com. They're absolutely crushing it with all the cattle decap pre-orders. I see you guys getting them and tagging me. And uh, I really appreciate that. Whatever merch you get from Indie Merch Store, when it arrives, tag me on Instagram, IndieMerchStore.com, coupon code JOSTA10, and that's going to save you 10%. Another great sponsor we have is the one and only Manscaped. Manscaped.com, promo code JOSTA is going to get you 20% off plus free shipping. So trim your beard, trim your balls, trim your taint. What if you just have like... What if what if you were the unfortunate person who just had a hairy taint, like real long, like nappy, just dready manscape, bud. Manscape will help you because you just cut it off at the pass. You just get it, it right at the root, and you're free. That's it. They got all sorts of little buzzers for all sorts of different places. Go and go check the it out. The nostril one is is sick, Clutch. and the ear one. Get the you know once you hit forty, you get this weird long ear hair. Manscape will will hook you up. Manscape.com promo code Josta. For 20% off plus free shipping. Also, thank you to Century Media, centurymedia.store. Make sure you check out all their bands at Milwaukee Metal Fest and then go shop at centurymedia.store. So, Napalm Death, Frozen Soul, which is coming out May 19th, Glacial Domination, Unearth, which is out now, and they're going to be headlining the bar stage. No barricade. It's going to be insane. Um, probably shouldn't have said no barricade, but you'll see. It was going to be a surprise. It's going to be legendary. We're going to film the set. CenturyMedia.store. Brian's going to stage dive because now there's no barricade. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> also, thank you to Monarch Heavy, another one, great one of our Metal Fest sponsors. M-N-R-K-H-E-A-V-Y. Use the code 666. You'll save 15%. The link is in the show notes. Pre-order the new Somnuri Desiderium album. Also, you can get the new Creeping Death, which is equally as hard. And hopefully, we'll get Creeping Death on Milwaukee... Metal Fest 2024. MonarchHeavy.com. Big thanks to them. They put out Crowbar, Black Label, so many great bands. MonarchHeavy.com. Use the code 666. What's the what? What's the, oh, MartyrStore.net. We got Violence Meet and Greets. Violence Meet and Greet is going to be Friday at 1.15. And I think Crowbar is going to be at 2. 
So it's not going to affect the set time if you want to get meet and greets at martyrstore.net. And then the big news, Metal Blade is a sponsor of the Milwaukee Metal Fest and the Jossa Show, and we love them. And Brian's going to be there signing his brand new book. That's right, Metal Blade founder, Brian Slagle, Saturday, May 27th at Milwaukee Metal Fest. All right, metalblade.com slash deathrayvision for the new Death Ray Vision, and then also just metalblade.com for all your other metal needs. All right, everybody. Gas Digital, new website. Go check that out. Use promo code JOSS, seven-day free trial. Check out all the shows on the network. And then uh, patreon.com slash JOSS. They're going to get that updated this weekend, this week, this weekend. All right. right. We got Marty Friedman. Enjoy the show. My friend, the lead singer of Hate Breed, the infamous and notorious Jamie Jasta is in the building. That's what's up. Jamie Jasta from the metal band Hate Breed. That guy's famous. Coffee, death metal, and push-ups. That's Jamie Jasta. Remember Jamie Jasta? You know him. He's podcast, but he's also he's a metal man. I would say you need that. That shit is hard. <laughs> Welcome back. How you doing? Good. Good to see you again. Great to Thanks see for your you too, time. Man. How you doing? Good, good. Happy awesome. Passover. Is that? Do you celebrate? It, uh, I don't really do anything to celebrate it, but I think it's around this time, right? It is, and it's probably the most metal of the backstories of the holidays. Yeah, you got the angel of death and all that yeah. heavy metal stuff in there, and <laughs> yeah. Although Easter's pretty metal too, I think. of all the holidays yeah it's up there yeah how's uh how's the tour treating you what do you miss most uh from japan what i miss most from japan um actually nothing right now because the whole entire camp is japanese so we're like in this japan bubble wherever we go and um, we're kind of like insulated that way. So it's not, I don't really miss Japan so much right now. I'm just glad to be in America. All the things that I missed about America, we're getting to enjoy right now. So uh, it's kind of working out really good like that. Right on, right on. What was the, what, what, like when you touch down back in the States, what's the first thing you hit? Is it like in and out Burger? Is there, is it, is it, what is it? <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, definitely in and out Burger and, and Flamin' Hot Cheetos. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, that's a must. They don't have that in Japan for some reason. They have every other possible kind of snack, but they don't have that there. Man, I miss one thing. I haven't been in Japan in years, but one thing I miss is that maple like it's like maple syrup ice cream in between two pancakes. You can get them at like a.m. p.m. It's so good. <laughs> oh, in Japan? Yeah. Ah, it sounds sounds very Japanese. <laughs> it's it's a great treat. There's, I feel like the a.m. p.m.s and the 7-Elevens just have better treats there. Oh, yeah, well, there there is that. And not only treats, but they have, like, full-on meals. I mean, you could get sushi, like, really good edible sushi in a 7-Eleven in, in Japan and, and never worry about getting food poisoning. That still blows my mind to this day. Yeah, no, I agree. And and really good, like, different drinks and stuff, like really good teas. Sure. And, yeah. you know, when was the last time you were in Japan? It's going back a while now. I, I think... I think it's got to be 10 years by now. 
maybe oh, wow. maybe a little less, like maybe eight. But we're due. We'll see. I, I want to like go and do club shows, though. I don't think well, I got to be careful what I say on the podcast, because if I say I don't want to do the festival, then it's like we won't get the offer or something. But we, we've done Loud Park and we've done the various festivals. But yeah, actually, you know what? We've never done Summer Sonic. Is that still a thing? Yeah, I'm actually going to be playing it in August. Great. Nice. Yeah, Summer Sonic is awesome. It's a great festival and they have all kinds of any kind of combination is possible. So your band could go right before some kind of Japanese pop band or some kind of dance music or something. And then you guys come out and full on blast. <laughs> anything, anything goes at Summer Sonic. We always wanted to do. We just, I, I think it just never materialized for whatever reason. That and Rock and Rio, we've never done. Those oh. are the two, like those are the two big ones throughout the world that we've never done. Oh. But okay. I mean, everybody's been talking about, uh, you know, you going out and playing Budokan with with uh, Megadeth, and I thought that was so cool. But I, I have to say, no holy wars. What? <laughs> like what? <laughs> What happened there? Did you get to choose or were you told? Well, how did it? No, no, we just, we just, uh, it was so organic. It was like two buds in high school talking about let's go jam. I mean, it was, it was so incredibly casual. And I think that's the way it should be, really. And we just talked about a couple songs and, and, uh, I wanted to do two songs. And then Dave says, why don't we do another song? And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. And, um, yeah, so we did the songs that we did, and uh, there was no real rhyme or reason to which songs we were, we did. Um, but um, it turned out just fine, and and uh, we we enjoyed the hell out of it. All this Ace and Paul back and forth. I'm like, and and they got to be at least ten years older than you, right? They're still well, I'm kind of I'm kind of afraid to ask what's going on because you know I'm a Kiss fan and. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear anything that's going to make me bummed out. But like, it's still like high school. He was literally going to, he was threatening to put out a 120 page manuscript about Paul and Gene that was supposedly going to ruin their careers. And Paul was going through something and was just like, fuck you, dude. And just didn't, didn't didn't think it was a real threat or just didn't bow to the threat, which I think was the right thing to do, but it just, it's so petty. And I, I'm like, what, how and why could this still be happening? You think at some point you would become like, I don't know. You think these elder statesmen would be more mature. I don't know. I'm kind of like, you know, really not happy be about that because you know, this is the end. It's this is the end, man. This the era is about to end, and whether or not you like Kiss is one thing, but there's no doubt that they were a huge influence on the music you make, the music I make, and heavy music in general. You know, they've done a lot of lame things along the way, but we've all had laughs about that, and and it, they're just an important part of what we do, you know, and I'm happen to be a maniac fan of theirs from the early days. Um, but like, I would much rather see the end of this era go up in a huge, wonderful explosion of rock and roll rather than a bunch of old ladies arguing about stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you know I think I mean? he just he, he just like sealed it where now we will not there's no way we're gonna see him jam again. I, uh, I can't who, see who said Paul said that? I I think I, I can I think that's how it's gonna go. I can't see them playing with Ace ever again after he threatens to release 120 page. I don't know what I don't know how much dirt is in this, but it's it obviously wasn't it obviously was a an empty threat. Why would why I don't know how that would benefit Ace at all, you know what I mean? Because uh, it would behoove him to like be a part of the final shows, I guess. So, why would he start threatening some stuff at this point? I that I don't understand, but I'm not in that loop at all, so I don't, I don't know. Um, Paul, Paul was on Stern and said and basically said some not so nice things, and then that was the response from Ace. Uh, which it just, it's just such a bummer, but that's why it's nice to see you jamming with Megadeth and you and Dave getting uh, along. Yeah, the funny thing is like, there was really nothing between us ever in the time that we were playing together. You know, if there was, it was kind of like things that media kind of like, you know how they do these days, you know, they'll take something that could possibly look negative out of like a two hour long interview. And that will be the headline. And, and it, there was never anything between us in the first place. So it was always like if either of us emailed each other, it would be totally casual. So it wasn't unusual to to hear from Dave and say, dude, we're playing Budokan. Want to jam? It was just completely casual. So there really never was anything, um, definitely nothing that I know of that was of any kind of juicy, newsworthy <laughs> arguments between us in the first place. So, I, I you know. It's, it's boring. It's boring, but I mean, uh, it is what it is. Well, it, it's an exception. It, it, it's cool to see that people will just go their separate ways and just be cool. And then occasionally their paths will cross and the fans can celebrate what they'd had together and it, without there being some sort of weird negative stigma around it. And I think we need more of that. Everything is already so... Uh, polarizing as it is. And anytime I had ever talked to Dave, you know, in regards to you, he always seemed like really happy. You got this amazing other career that was really, really successful. Um, and I know, you know, you've done so much TV and like here in the States, we haven't really seen someone cross over from music or at least harder rock or harder metal music into TV. Is, is TV more relevant, you think, in Japan than it is in the States? Uh, I don't really know about TV in the States very much. Um, Japan, unlike America, kind of like hangs on to a lot of things for longer. I mean, you can still get CDs and CDs are really state of the art now. They have great liner notes and more pictures and more bonus DVDs and special tracks. So they made the CD experience they've kind of built it up so it can kind of compete with like all the streaming and all that other stuff. And so television, especially with COVID and stuff, television was like just about to like take a dive, but they've really tried to up the ante, I guess, with television and make, make better content and, and kind of pair up with things that are on YouTube. And it's just kind of like growing with their, with uh, the times, I guess. But in, in my case, it's like I've done a lot of TV, but what I think the reason why I keep working in Japan is because I do a very, 
uh, varied amount of unusual and unrelated things. Like I do a TV thing. I might do a special where I'll go to a certain part of the country and talk about a particular kind of architecture in that part of the country. And then I'll come back and like, for example, the day after I finish this tour, I'm going to be playing at, at a baseball game. And then uh, after that, I'm going to be playing uh, with this idol group called Momoito Clover, which they play stadiums and stuff like that. It's like four girls and I get to play this wild guitar stuff that uh, I did on the recordings. And uh, then I have another show in Japan with my band that, that I'm going to be playing here in New York with. So it's always varied. And I think that's the only way that I can really continue to, I don't even know if the word is relevant because I don't know if I'm relevant to anything at all. But the way I can keep out there is just to like do different things. If I just did recording and touring, recording and touring, Japan would be done because like, you know, there's not a whole lot of cities there. And, you know, I just keep it varied. No, I like that. I think that's great. And I think as far as collaborating with other artists, it's it's good to get exposure in, in lanes that they might not know who you are or they might not know your history or your or even your time in Megadeth or even care. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a very good point. A lot of people don't know any of that stuff, especially when I do non musically related television. They just think, oh, who's this long haired dude speaking Japanese? <laughs> is all that is and uh occasionally they will look into what i've done in the past and and you get one new fan at a time that way but it's definitely not an immediate cross collateralization it's not like okay you can do this tv show and then everybody's going to show up your, your next gig it doesn't work like that at all you'd be surprised no, it doesn't I, yeah. I i can totally see that and and do you do you mind the shredder tag? Are you are you cool with it, or do you like the? Do you like just you know I'm a guitar player, but I'm a host and I'm a a personality, and you wear many hats. Well, I, I don't like the shredder tag for a different reason. That I think I just did an interview. I did a really nice interview that I liked, and of course the headline they took was the one thing that I didn't want to be read. Something like I don't like the term shredder. <laughs> And um, I really don't like that term. And, and maybe it means something different now in 2023. But when I was a little kid, there was always like some dude in a basement who was playing super, super fast, fingers flying. And it just sounded horrible, but it looked so incredibly cool. So 90% of people, especially kids, we don't know. We don't care what it sounds like, but if it looks like he's flying, he must be amazing. So these guys were the shredders. Like, that dude's a shredder. But every single basement had one of these guys. But if you close your eyes and just listen to it, the hell is this noise I'm listening to? It's just like type of thing. And so that is, in my mind, what a shredder is. So when people say... He's the shredder, Marty Friedman. I'm like, oh, really? But then again, I have to also think that the majority of people using that term are using it as a compliment. They think it's cool and they think it's great. So they're just trying to compliment me. So I don't want to be upset at people saying nice things. But when I hear it, I kind of like get a little cringe every time. 
there i think virtuoso is better but then that also comes with some weight right that dude, also- that's like right right in the same lane man virtuoso <laughs> shredder no 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 let's you, stick when, to when you, legendary when when you do when you do tv yeah legendary is good and, and it fits you know and you've, you've earned that I, i'm just kidding on that dude. <laughs> well we we think so marty and you can't take that from us so and and i was thinking you know just in the very little bit of tv that i've done i was thinking about trying to do it in a different language because i've tried i've done like the rosetta stones and i've oh you know i've I've taken some of the classes online and stuff but it's it's so hard for me the older i get but when you when you host a show or when you're doing interviews um do you need like a cheat sheet or, or do, when you host a show, do you have a, a prompter in Japanese or are you going like off a script or off of, off of memory? Depending on the show, almost every show has a script. Um, even the shows that come off as being non-scripted, they have a script written out. And usually that script is about 99% ignored. So that, that script is there in case nobody thinks of anything interesting to say you know what i mean so they they have the script and there's script writers for everything and you read the script you know when you're getting ready for the show so you know what the topics are but usually um you know you can think of something better and it's like you and i are talking right it's like there would be a script for this and we would just proceed to ignore it but we, you and I don't have a script right now, but over there, a lot of, especially TV, they've got to have a script because some people, they completely rely on the script and especially TV veterans, like real TV guys. One thing that I noticed about the people who do a lot of TV is they have the ability to make something that they really don't care at all about the ability to make it interesting. That is a talent. It's a talent I do not have. <laughs> it's really a talent, and I my hat's off to those people. Um, so that's why they always have a, a script, and there's a lot of information that, that I can use from that to prep for what I'm going to say. And um, uh, often there's also prompters, you know, just to keep things rolling on time. You know, if we get off on a tangent, you know, and then – reel things back in to be on time to what you want to get the point of the program around. Cause like sometimes I'll do something and the main topic is whatever, but we might go off on a tangent and I'll love this tangent and I'll keep talking about the tangent. Like we just talked about kiss for five minutes <laughs> and, and, and we'll talk about the tangent and then there'll be somebody going, read the, read the, read the, well, what's the word in English? Um, cue card, read the cue cards, you know, um, so they, they, they want to keep, keep the thing the way they wanted it, but like, usually it's pretty much ignored. And are you, are you, um, you're, you're not auditioning, right? You're, you're bringing, these projects are brought to you by your, by agents or managers, and then you're kind of choosing which ones you feel are the best fit. Right. Right. Uh, everything, you know, I'm the type of guy who wants to do everything and anything. Um, but my manager is kind of a little bit more realistic is if you do this, it's not going to look good. And at the other, on the other hand, sometimes he brings me these things. I'm like, this is stupid. This sucks. I don't want to do this. 
trust me, dude. Like dude. what? Like what? Like one, one I remember in particular, uh, late night programs in Japan can get kind of uh, R-rated, so to speak. <laughs> not X-rated, but not like what you might see on TV here. You know, it's like kind of sexy and, and kind of the, the content is sexy. And raunchy, um, yeah. Kind of raunchy. So one, this was like a while ago. This was like at least 10 years ago. Um, I was asked to do this program when, where myself and like this bikini model were on the show. And the idea was it was a live show and people called in. And if they make a request, I would play guitar and this bikini model would talk and we would make ringtones for people's phones. Huh. What could go wrong? <laughs> right. Like they could what say could some shit wrong? that's really what bad. What could go wrong? And, I, and like, I'm an easy sell when there's bikini models involved. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it, whatever. But when you're actually doing it and you're playing guitar and this bikini model's like saying things like, I wish I was going to bed with you tonight or something like that. I'm like, where the hell is my career gone? <laughs> Is this where my guitar playing has taken me? I really, that was one thing I totally regret because it, it, you know, it's fun to watch that stuff, I guess, but like it was felt so incredibly lame doing it. You did it. I did it. Yeah. I didn't regret it till after I finished. (laughs) So was it like porno, like, 70s porno music guitar or what? what no, no, no. It's, it was just, it's just me. I had a guitar and an amp and she was standing there in a bikini and reading like what people requested off the phone. Like someone would say something he would want her to say, like tonight I'm going to wear my white bikini or whatever. Yeah. And then I would like be playing like these background licks to accompany whatever she's saying in the request. And, um, yeah, that was that was a bummer. But the thing is, that bikini model did really well after that. <laughs> she did really well, and she's actually quite talented in a lot of other fields, and did a lot of cool stuff. But uh, this was at that kind of beginning of her career, and I thought it was going to be the end of my career because it was just so so lame. And I'm like, I hope there's nobody who's followed my career is watching this <laughs> because this is like the depths. But then again, you know, sometimes you do these things like I have this. It's on YouTube now, a program called Rock Fujiyama, where we do a lot of really, really silly stuff, almost as silly as that. And if you let yourself go and have fun with it and realize this is really stupid, but it's funny. Listen, it's funny. If you kind of sign off on it, then then it can be cool at times. Yeah. the one I really regretted was doing those ringtones and I felt really kind of, I felt shameful. <laughs> I wonder if anybody still has that stuff as their ringtone. I have it on video <laughs> as the ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> was it distorted guitar or you just had like a clean channel? Or yeah, it was distorted guitar. It was like some, you know, one of those zoom amp type of things that they did that you, uh, you know, portable little guitar amp type of thing. What is going on, everybody? Just a quick interruption, letting you know today's episode is brought to you by MonarchHeavy.com, one of our premier sponsors of this year's Milwaukee Metal Fest, which is coming up in just a week or so. So make sure you head on over to MonarchHeavy.com after the podcast today. Check out releases from Crowbar, Black Label Society, 
Uh, even bands like Texas Hippie Coalition, Pop Evil, they have such an eclectic roster supporting all sorts of rock and heavy metal music. They got the new Creeping Death, which, which you can pre-order now. And they have the brand new Somnuri album, Desiderium, which, uh, which you can get 15% off when you use the code 666 at monarchheavy.com. And don't forget, Somnuri plays the Milwaukee Metal Fest pre-party, May 25th at the Rave Bar with yours truly, Yotuma, and others. It's going to be a big party to kick off the show. Big thanks in part to our sponsor, monarchheavy.com. Promo code 666 saves you 15%. Also, thank you to sentrymedia.store. That's right. Century Media will be in the house as well at Milwaukee Metal Fest with tons of their roster playing. We got Napalm Death on the bill, Unearth. Uh, Sangwa Sugabog, Frozen Soul, who have their new album, Glacial Domination, coming out right before the fest. So this is like a, a little bit of our CD release party for Frozen Soul. And who knows? It could turn out that they become the people's headliner. Go to centurymedia.store after the podcast today and pre-order before the vinyl and the other pre-order packages sell out. Big thanks to Century Media Records. Now back to the show. Have you done any kids TV there? Gigs TV? Kids TV. Yes. Kids TV. Um, now kids TV is another time where you, it potentially is extremely embarrassing. <laughs> but this time my manager convinced me and I believed him and it was true that kids TV, the people who watch kids TV are like mothers in their 30s, late 20s, 30s. That's a good audience right there. So I did this one kids TV with a, a really popular kids TV host and a band of kids playing like they had like kind of kiss makeup on. And there was like a panda bear playing the drums <laughs> and, and like they were all like lip syncing. I recorded this song at home full on metal, full on <laughs> metal. And the kids show host was doing his rap over this metal. And I was playing this really crazy guitar stuff like Cacophony or Megadeth or my solo stuff. And I'm like, this is a cool country where kids get to listen to this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like a little panda playing and a kid with like Batman makeup. And, and it was just like really popular. And they actually made a DVD of it. And, um, you know, oh, those type of things, um, sometimes you got to, Put away, I guess, not your pride, but like to say, look, something good can come from this and work is work. And this is a popular program. And you look at the old days, you know, like they had like all these people who went on Sesame Street and stuff like that. They always had like Diana Ross or whoever, Cindy Lauper and all these people. There's a reason to do these things. And sometimes you got to put the heavy metal image kind of like. Put it to the side and just do things that could potentially be fun. And then when you do those, you find that you're kind of branching out into places where normally they wouldn't find you. And, and it's been doing that for like a long time is kind of kept me going over there a lot, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's great. And I'm sure a lot of kids pick up guitars because of that. And anything yeah, that can happen it's, is it's really crazy the 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 amount of love for metal and guitar in Japan. 
it's really kind of like in, in America, especially like when you and I were growing up, I mean, it was a certain demographic. It's kind of widened up now because people, parents are into metal now and stuff like that. And kids are getting it. But in Japan, there's really no demographic. It could be anybody. It could be somebody like in their early teens. It could be somebody in their 70s and, and higher than that. Um, there's just always been a love of guitar and guitar music. Even in pop music, there's a lot of guitar. And like I was telling you, I played with Momoito Clover before. They are these four little girls singing, but some of the music, it sounds like Black Sabbath on 16 speed. I mean, it's really, it can get that heavy and then it could get equal in the other direction poppy. So it's just, it's not that stigma of metal has got to be pure metal. And it can, metal can kind of fit into a lot of places over there. And I think I have fun with that because I'm not like a really strict traditional metal guy in the first place. That's cool. Now, when you, when you go back and you play at the uh, baseball game, what team is it for? Or, or and do you, uh, for Yokohama. Are you just, Yokohama, the Yokohama Bay stars. Okay. And so you, are you with them or is it like, you're just, it doesn't matter who wins or, or are you a fan? Oh, I, I, I shouldn't say if I'm a fan or not, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to be playing with a, a singer named Aikawa Nanase, who was the first J-pop singer that I teamed up with when I went to Japan. I was a fan of hers before I moved to Japan. And then when I got there, Within six months, I was in her band touring Japan. So it was kind of like a dream come true. So anytime she calls me to do anything, I'm there. And literally the day after I return to Japan from the tour, I'm playing with her at this baseball game. So, uh, um, yeah, it's things like that. Sometimes I'll play the Japanese national anthem at F1 races and things like that. And it's all across the board, man. I can definitely say it, it doesn't get boring. It doesn't get boring. No, that's cool. And just the fact that you've got it to cruising altitude, it seems like, you know, you can pick and choose the gigs that are fun. And, 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 you know, your manager seems to really have that under control. I mean, that's pretty much what any artist wants, especially when branching out to, to do things that are, you know, maybe you, you weren't known for, but have you done like any acting or any just music for TV because I just scored some stuff for a show here on uh, called Poker Face on on Peacock and that was like one of the most fun gigs I've had in a while and I'm I'm thinking man if I if I do this more I should branch out internationally because it seems like heavier music is going into the beds of these different TV shows and and made for streaming platform shows. What do you mean you scored you you wrote music and recorded for the TV show? Yeah. Yeah. To, and it, it was it's episode, to the scenes, not to the scenes, but they gave me enough to work with where when it when I watched it, I was blown away how they fit it to everything, because there's even parts where I'm doing vocals. It's in episode four of uh, of Poker Face on the Peacock Network. It stars Natasha Leone and it, it it's really prominent throughout the episode. And uh, oh, is the I, episode I, called Poker Face? No, it's, that's the TV show. It's kind of like a Columbo with a with a female lead. She's kind of well, how like, can I see a, it? Because I'd really be interested in seeing what it is. It you could watch it on Peacock. You could probably just get a free um, a free trial on your phone or your tablet or your laptop. I think Peacock is basically NBC Universal, right. if I'm remembering correctly. I have them all. I probably should cancel. Like I have Hulu and Netflix and 
Um, but that one seems to be doing a lot of really cool original content. And that guy, um, Ryan Johnson, it, he's done like Star Wars. He did those Knives Out movies. He he directed it. So the they even incorporate some of the words that we recorded and some of the lyrics that John, because um, I, I did the project with John from Mountain Goats. They even uh, incorporate the words from the songs into the script and into the story, which was wild. Um, but it's really cool. So do, have you done that? Like where you'll do bed music? Like could, could you be hired to score a film or a TV show? I've uh, done a lot of uh, similar to what you're saying, but different as I don't have the vocal element to it. Um, and I've yet to do the type of scoring where you score to an actual scene and you, you know, you got 16 seconds and then you got to do a stab here and, and, and those type of things. I've done the type of thing where they say, well, we, this is the type of scene we have and we want you to have this type of mood of a piece of music. And I've done a lot of that. And I've done a lot of opening and closing themes. Uh, a more popular one is for a Netflix anime called Be the Beginning, where oh. I did uh, the opening theme called The Perfect World. And um, that was a huge project. It took an absolutely a whole year from start to finish on one song. Wow. That many times going back with the anime creators and image things. And, and uh, I think it came out really good. But um, I'd done acting, actually, which I have absolutely no talent for at all. But I've done a couple things, some movies. And just recently, I did a short film called Samurai Swordfish, where I played a priest, of all things, <laughs> a minister. And I'm wearing this full-on minister outfit. All right? Dig this. And I, so when I filmed this thing, I had a lot of lines, and I actually pulled it off. I got lucky. But what I most remember about it was during that, I had some photos taken of me in this minister outfit, right? And I sent these photos to my cousin and my cousins are like full on super Jewish, super like more super Jewish, which is fine. But I told him, look, I've been in Japan for a long time and uh, I have to tell you something important. I made a little change in my life. <laughs> I, I found Jesus and you know, it's the best thing that's happened to me. Please, please don't be angry with me. <laughs> I sent them this picture with me. I got this big cross and this big long priest gown, and they just freaked out, so incredibly freaked out. <laughs> Called my that's sister. Crazy. They were, like, having heart attacks. <laughs> I told them, you know, I'm just in this little short film. It was the funniest thing that I've done since Japan. I, I don't think they're ever going to forgive me for scaring them that much. The Netflix thing was called Be the Beginning. And it's a, it was a long anime series and really quite, quite grisly and dark. But it was a, a pretty cool series. And I did the theme song called The Perfect World. And I had the vocals done by a guy named John Ken Johnny, who's in a group called Man with a Mission, one of the biggest groups in Japan. Wonderful voice. It's in English, and uh, he did a great job. And but yeah, this, this is cool. Thing. So it's like a serial killer 
uh, mystery anime. This looks awesome. Oh, yeah, dude. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Check it out. Everybody says I should get into anime. I I don't know the first thing about it. I was going to watch. I started watching the they made like a really bad version of Death Note and it's really bad. Sorry to anybody who worked on it or if you see this, it's it was the one that they made that the live action one. I, I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I, I'm not the guy to ask about anime. And it's <laughs> I'm probably only saying this because we're speaking English here, but I've done so many anime endings and openings and I know nothing about anime. Okay. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And there's two ways I get these this type of work. One is they want me to play because for whatever reason, they like some something that I've done in the past and they want something similar to like, you know, something off my Inferno album or something. Or we like this song from Loudspeaker. Can you do something, a theme from sounds like that for this anime we're doing? Or... Um, they will have something in mind and then draw it all out for me and say, can you do something like this, this, and this? And then I do it. Um, the only time really where I had to get into the anime and watch the entire series was this be the beginning thing. And that took a year because they were still developing it at the time. And they wanted different versions of the opening theme several times as the story changed and so I got to see how a, a real big time anime um, project is done, which was was cool. But the Samurai Swordfish thing I was telling you about, it is on YouTube. So if you just um, put Samurai Swordfish in there and uh, you'll find this thing. And I, I'm just like the worst actor, but I love doing it and I work really hard and um and it's just fun to do. I've done a bunch. I've done like maybe five or six different movies over there, actually. And I think I have no idea why I'm asked to do it. Um, but okay. if I get asked back, then I think then I didn't ruin it too bad the first time. So right. that's when, when, when you were talking about the CDs earlier, I was wondering when you put your records out there, do you do you give bonus tracks for that territory? Like. Or is it the other way around now? Like, do you do bonus tracks for the States? Cause I'm like, I just want it to be one version. Dude, this is, this is a story. Um, you guys have different releases in Japan, right? Yeah. With bonus tracks, right? Mm -hmm. This is the reason, maybe you know the reason, but there's a lot of people out there who don't know the reason why, why does Japan always get the bonus tracks? It's not fair. They get the demo versions and songs we never heard. It's not fair. Okay, you ready for this? Uh, in Japan, this may sound counterintuitive, but the import version, like from US or Europe, is much cheaper than the domestic Japanese version. So you have an album, right? You live in Japan. You want to buy the American version of, say, Inferno. That's going to cost you maybe 12, 15 bucks. You live in Japan. You want to get the local Japanese version. It's going to cost you like 28 bucks. Yeah. So this is why you need to add the bonus element for Japanese people to avoid buying that import version. So that's why the Japanese version have the liner notes. They got stickers. They got like trading so cards. All that stuff, bonus tracks, demos. The sad thing about it is there are many people who just 
throw anything on there. Junk, you know, songs that weren't good enough to make the album. Um, but to make the best out of it is you put good stuff on there and really add the value. And those are the CDs that kind of do well. But that's the reason why it exists. And it's always been that way since CDs were invented. Do, well, have you gone, like, is Tower still there? Like, have you gone to the record store there? And, and sure. what, was the, what was the last record that you bought? And what, what would be a Japanese release that you would uh, recommend us to check out? Ah, uh, great question. Um, I don't buy enough CDs because one of the perks of the business is you get everything. I'm sure you know, everything comes to you. But I would buy it anyway if I didn't have it already. But the last one I actually went, I ran out and bought this was Deaf Heaven. Um, this was a couple years ago. Um, it was called New Bermuda. I heard like one song on YouTube and I was right by Tower Records. And I'm like, if they have it, I'm buying this because I want to listen to it now. And I want to put it on repeat. I don't want to sit through YouTube ads to hear this thing. <laughs> And uh, that album just blew my mind completely. Right on. And was that, did they have a bonus track for the Japanese? I don't, I don't know what's on the American version. I don't okay. know what's on the American version. But um, yeah, prob there was probably like a track or two extra on there. And um, Usually there's a bonus track for any Japanese release, at least one or two. Hey, everybody. Quick interruption letting you know today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the premium, the premier trimmer organization. It's a trim organization. You trim your ears, trim your nose, trim your butt, trim your balls. It's a whole system. It's a whole system. You, you, you get, you know, you don't want a hairy, nobody likes a hairy shaft. Get it down to the base. You know what I mean? If you, if you got it coming up the base, trim it down. Go to manscaped.com and you'll see. They got the, the performance package, the performance package for you performance players. Manscaped.com. Use the code JOSTA. You're going to save 20% off plus free shipping. I use their lip balm. I use their shampoo. I'm even wearing their boxers right now. I love them. You love them. We all love Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Promo code JOSTA. 20% off plus free shipping. While I have you, big thank you to Metal Blade Records. I am so thrilled to not only have them as a Josta Show sponsor, but they will also be in the house at the one and only Milwaukee Metal Fest, the return of Milwaukee Metal Fest. And Brian Slagle, the founder, will be signing Saturday, May 27th. We'll announce the time. We'll put it on all the Milwaukee Metal Fest socials. But you want to make sure you check out their new releases like Goat Whore, who they had one of the best records of last year with angels hung from the arches of heaven and it's available now at metalbladerecords.com slash goat whore and you want to check out the new cattle decapitation which is absolutely killing it right now the album's called terra site and it really continues where the previous album death atlas left off both sonically and thematically vocalist travis ryan states bluntly that these lyrics come from a place of distress anger rage and resentment and you can really hear it. And the, 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 the albums are the last like three have all had banger after banger, but this one is really, they've, they've stepped it up. I'm really happy for cattle decapitation. I really appreciate metal blade coming on board to not only sponsor the uh, Milwaukee metal fest and, and fingers crossed we get cattle decap for Milwaukee metal fest 2024, but um, also sponsoring the Josta show. So thank you. Metal blade records, check out metalblade.com slash cattle decapitation. 
Now back to the show. So you, so you're listening to heavy music in your downtime. Not all the time. Only when something like stands out and I really get uh, stimulated, you know, something will stimulate me. There's, there's, a, there's a band called Set Suspended Fourth in Japan. I don't know if you've heard of this band. I haven't. Uh, Suspended Fourth. Um, I heard one of their songs, immediately ran out and got the CD. I tweeted about it, and then I heard from those guys, like, right away. I'm like, dude, we can't believe you're a fan of ours. Come jam with us. We're playing in Tokyo next week. And so I jam with them, and we've been friends. But I can be impulsive. If I just hear something, I have to have it right away and listen um, whether it be heavy, Suspended Fourth is a very, very heavy band, so just, uh, just to let you know. Um, so if you're interested in new Japanese bands that are heavy, I would recommend Suspended Fourth. I would recommend Cross Faith, which you probably already know. Yeah, yeah they're great. They're a great band. And, Crystal um, Lake is hard. I like them, too. Who? Crystal Lake. Oh, yeah, there you go. And uh, Cold Rain and um, Maximum the Hormone and... Um, Rick in our chat here from Patreon, shout out to Guy on the Couch, aka Rick. He says he can he considers Love Bites elite. What stories do you have about them, specifically Miyoko or Midori? They are top notch. Ah, uh, Love Bites. They came on to uh, an episode of Rock Fujiyama a little while ago. Sweet, sweet girls. Um, they're like carrying the torch for old school metal, I guess. Yeah, they have a song I heard that was great. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember thinking, okay, this is this is legit. Yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're totally legit, and um, you know, it's kind of a very strange algorithm, so to speak, because you look at them and they're like Japanese girls, and yet they're playing old school metal, like yeah. traditional metal. Like, grew up listening to Iron Maiden and stuff like that. It's like. Are you, where did you get these influences from? You know, so it's very old school metal. Um, it kind of appeals to old school metal fans, but then they've got the their girls, so they kind of have a broader appeal. And um, so sweet and, and good guitar players and really a hardworking band. And uh, Midori is a, a bodybuilder, and she looks fantastic you know you you would never know except when you watch her do like bodybuilding competitions wait she does actual bodybuilding competitions yes 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 yeah absolutely stunning stunning and uh just cool chicks you know if if you look up rock fujiyama on love bites you'll find a couple episodes of them on there and uh yeah great good man I'll have to look that up. This question comes from Dallas Bolin. What's up, Dallas? Hey, Marty, why won't guitar companies like Jackson and BC Rich make their guitars in Nagoya anymore? Oh, that's a good question. I have no idea. I, I didn't know they ever made them in Nagoya. I think Ibanez has a factory in Nagoya. Um, Jackson is an American company. So uh, there's that. But uh, I don't I don't know. I, I think when Jackson outsourced it to Nagoya, it might have been there was some sort of discount. It wasn't it, like it was for maybe the retail versions that were less, but maybe they have a better cost efficient way to do it. Um, what What is your most like recent um, signature model and where can we get it? Oh, it's the MF1, uh, Jackson MF1, and you can get it literally anywhere in the world. Um 
Amazon, Sweetwater, your local music store, guitar center, any anywhere. It's actually, you know, I've been known for my Kelly in the past, and I love that guitar and still play it live. But, you know, this MF1 is more popular as far as sales go. Um, and I really can only say that it's just a fantastic guitar. Every guitar that Jackson signs off on is, is a workhorse. And uh, I'm just completely blown away and pleased that people are really enjoying this guitar. It's uh, There's a purple mirror version of it, and there's the black and white version of it. And um, it's just a workhorse. And uh, any music video I've done or any concert that you've seen me play here in America or in Japan, that's all I use. So uh, hopefully um, try one out. You know, it's I'd stand by it a thousand percent. Yeah, that, I like this purple. Yeah, I'm looking at it on, on uh, there's one on reverb. I might have to. Oh, thanks, man. Might have to jump at it. This is badass. Um, let's talk about Megadeth real quick, because I'm going to get the before we let you, let you go here. I, I'm you know, everybody's going to say you didn't talk about Megadeth. You know, there's been a lot of talk of, of tour pranks lately. I don't know if it's it's just because those are coming back, like end of tour pranks. W- were you guys, to me, Megadeth would be like the band that you wouldn't do that to, especially in your era. But did you do that to other bands, or do you remember that being done to you when you were in Megadeth? Uh, I think you're right that I don't think other bands would try that on us. <laughs> um, and I don't really remember us doing that although we probably did you know we had a lot of fun stuff with the bands we toured with especially like with pantera and uh uh really everyone even the alice in chains um i especially remember pantera because they are fun loving guys you know what i mean and megadeth actually also is if you are in the right if you're in the right groove, you know what I mean? If you're in the right lane with Megadeth, you could really have friends for life. And I think Pantera and, uh, you know, I'm sure we did jams together and I think we played some Ramon songs. And I think one time we like switched instruments and like Mustaine was playing drums and I was playing bass and Dimebag was singing and, Something something like that type of thing happened, but I don't remember at all. But we didn't do any juicy pranks where really funny pranks or anything. I kind of wish we did, but I don't remember any. Wow. So I wonder if there's footage of that, of Mustaine on the drums and you on the bass with Pantera. That's incredible. I know that we played a Ramones song somewhere because I'm, I love the Ramones and they were probably just trying to like get me to shut up about the Ramones. <laughs> And we played a cheap trick song in Japan, which is a great memory. But, um, you know, I think some bands can be really creative with those pranks. And uh, we just weren't really that band. But I I love those stories, those legendary rock stories. And we're coming to the end of the tour right now here in America. And it's, it's a very happy family out here. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were some funny pranks going on right on are you now are you speaking japanese with the band and crew so you won't be rusty when you go back it's a japanese bubble this whole tour the whole entire staff 
is Japanese except for the driver and the drum tech. Everyone else on the entire staff and band is Japanese. So it's kind of like we're taking this bubble around the country. And, uh, and and will you go to like a Japanese grocery or will you take them to like what's a legit Japanese restaurant in the states that you can go to? Um this is going to sound kind of weird but if Japanese people are running it then chances are it's going to be legit. If they like I just saw here right in front of the hotel there's like Thai food and sushi. <laughs> I I saw that on a on a uh, an awning. I'm like there's no way this is going to be legit. Right. Cuz there's no sushi at a Thai restaurant. Um but uh yeah, you know, if you're in a major city, there's legit stuff everywhere, but if you're like in the Midwest and sushi and steak, you know, it's not going to be happening. There was a band that won our Headbangers Ball poll one year and it was like by a landslide. The fans were so die hard and I've always wondered what happened to them. Um it was uh let me just look here. Deer in Gray. Oh, yes. Deer in Gray. Um the guitarist from Deer in Gray uh came by to say hello when I played with Megadeth and Budokan the other a couple weeks ago. Deer in Gray, man. I know a lot of American fans would love that band. So dynamic and so dark and so heavy and just exciting band. Yes, I'm not surprised they won this poll. Yeah, and they and they had a couple sold out shows. Like I want to say when New, like New York sold out in advance, I think LA sold out in advance. Um I I just I I thought, man, that's strange they haven't been back in a while. But they're still active in in very, very active. It's just been impossible to go in and out of Japan for the last three years. That's why it took me so long to get here, because Japan was not allowing anyone from certain countries to come to Japan during the pandemic. So touring international was just a major pain in the ass, and no one was willing to do it. So the second it kind of loosened up on the borders. I was like on the phone to like agents, like let's get something going because you never know when it's going to shut down again. So right. we immediately got this tour. It's just been the best thing ever. You know, Queensrÿche's a great band, and a lot of their fans they might know my name, but they would never leave their house to come see me. So these are the type of people that I want to play for. You know, and and win over each fan one by one. You know, and. Uh, They've been such a wonderful, wonderful, responsive audience, and the whole band and crew, and the whole thing has been a blast. So, I'm really glad I made the call to come to America the second I could get here, and hope to like come back again this year if possible. Yeah, you should. No, that's a great. I saw that announcement. I thought that's a great fit. I love their new material. Todd's incredibly talented, and he had big shoes to fill, and he's done it really well. Are, are you going out and jamming any songs with them? Actually, no. Um, I might have the guitar player come out. We do this guest jam every night in my set, where usually I pull someone at random out of the audience. I'm like, "Who wants to jam? Come on!" I do it every single time, and it's not a plant. It's not. Sometimes it is a plant. <laughs> okay. Like yesterday in Boston, there's this great friend of mine named Tomo Fujita, who's a 
a super, super guitar teacher at Berkeley. He has like millions of students and biggest YouTube channel. So he was a plant. Okay. And like, if I know a good guy, I'm going to plant that guy. But it's almost, it's super fun like that, but it's almost more fun to have someone who's not a professional come out there because the smile on their face is so incredibly huge regardless of what they play, you know, because guys get nervous or whatever. They play too much or they don't play enough or they don't play at all or they just stand there with a the guitar. But the smile on their face just radiates like a beam of light. So it's just always worth it to do it. Um, so right now on this tour, you know, we're friends with everybody on the tour. So like someone from Queensryche wants to come up and, and do it. I'm all for it. And we really uh, probably, we might do it tonight, actually. That's awesome. That's incredible. I, I mean, that I can only imagine if I was at your show and you're like, just come up. I mean, I, I would butcher the song, but you just jam on something that's not like one of your songs. You just start a riff and you just say, no, it's easier than that. We only play two chords, A to F on bass, really slow. And just, it's like a jam, just play, you play a lick, I play a lick, you play a lick, I play a lick, whatever. And then it, we naturally build it up into a crescendo, but it's completely free. So if you're even like an intermediate guitarist, you can hang in there and, and do something. It's not exclusive at all. So like if you're in, you're, if you're in town, <laughs> door is open. Oh, dude, you should see me. You should see me on the drums. Oh, it's so bad, but it's so much fun. I love it. My favorite thing is like, especially on my Josta gigs, I will, we'll do a down song. If, if Kirk comes out and jams with me, we'll do a couple of the songs we did on the kingdom of sorrow records. And then I'll do a down song. We'll do a down song and I'll do the ending on the drums. And then my favorite thing is to throw the sticks out to the crowd. <laughs> Always wanted to do that. Um, Marty, before we get out of here and, and, and thank you so much for the time. And it's, I'm so happy the tour is going well for you. And oh, likewise, man, I it's um, always good to, to see your face over there. And uh, we always have a fun chat. Yeah, no, I was thinking the last time I, when I, when I went to your hotel room, you know, I was in the diner down there and, uh, and Drew Carey was down there and he was, eating. Oh. and I always remember that, like, that was just that was a crazy night there's always like some weird synchronicities and and random stuff going on but i i will the fans will kill me if i don't ask you a couple juicy things before we get out of here and uh one of them and i thought oh this is a good one because i i want to know as well were you approached to do the kings of thrash thing i don't know what that is it's elephson it's it's basically x let's have brian look it up so i don't fuck this up but it's basically x megadeth doing megadeth it's elephson and maybe is it chris poland sorry dave and i'm probably gonna have dave on the show so you so you didn't even or or if it if they called your manager did your manager not bring it to you uh, i don't really even know is this like some kind of a bunch of bands on a tour type of thing no it's they're doing this as like yeah well they're on a tour but it's just them doing, uh, let's see, here it is. Kings of Thrash. They play, I think, everything off of. I can't see that. Can you make that a little bit bigger? Oh, there you go. It's Rust in Peace. Okay, so it's Ellison, Jeff Young. Chris Poland did it too. Okay, 
So it's killing is my business. So far, so good. Okay, so you were not approached. No, I, th- I don't know anything about that. But have you ever been approached by anybody to do like a just a straight thrash tour where you do Megadeth songs? Uh, I, I think people know that I wouldn't be on board with that. And like, uh, yeah, I kind of hold my time in Megadeth as I like it how it is. You know, it was a wonderful period of time and I respect it. And uh, but I've completely moved off from it. And um, doing this thing at Budokan with Dave was a, a wonderful way to celebrate that. And I think it's special to keep it a, a very limited amount of things. And um, I pretty much said all I had to say musically in that context, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's really not, there's probably other people who would enjoy playing that so much more than I would um, and be better doing it than I would. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know anything about it. I, I don't get approached for that type of thing much. But I do occasionally, um, like for recording, for some, like just recently, a couple months ago, some anime theme, like we were talking about before, we're doing this theme song and it's kind of like a Megadeth motif. And we thought, why not ask you to play it? <laughs> And and I and I heard their demo of it. I'm like, this sounds exactly like something that I was doing in Megadeth, and I did it. It was it was a it was a blast. There was there was two chick singers. That's the difference. It was like Rust in Peace era Megadeth with like two chick singers. And I'm like, oh, this sounds fun. So I recorded the song, and uh, I think it came out, and uh, it was good. But it was it was basically a a copy of a Megadeth song type of thing. It's like. A lot of that's very common in Japan. You'll have a motif and they'll make a song that sounds like it could be influenced by something else. So if you didn't know, you just think, oh, that's a metal song. But I listen to it. I'm like, this reminds me of when I was in Megadeth. So uh, that's about as close as I've ever got. But that really uh, kind of been off of that train for a long time. When when you did the Budokan show, did you did you remember the last time prior to that? Like, what was the last time prior to Budokan that you were on stage with Megadeth? Of course, it was the last show that I did with them. It was in, uh, I believe it was in Seattle. Uh, it was in Seattle, I believe. Yeah, it was in Seattle. It was the last time. And you knew it was your last show. On an uneventful show. Um um, I remember the guys from Soundgarden came to the show. It was nice to see them. And um, then a, a, little, a bunch of stuff happened after, a couple of days after that. And But that was the last show. And last time we stepped on a stage, to, it was it was like 23 or 24 years in between. And, um, you know, it was a, a very nice because both myself and Dave had really um, looked forward to playing Budokan back in the day. And um, it was just like, you know, we're still we're still friends and we have this chance to do something that we wanted to do that we never got done before. You know what I mean? How often in someone's life do you have that? It's like a dream, especially for us, you know, rock players. You know, you want to play at Budokan with this person and that person. Of course, I played there like seven times otherwise. But 
who would I most want to play Budokan with was the band Megadeth. We grew up together and we had all these great things together and we had dreams of playing Mega, of playing Budokan together. So it was very sweet to be able to realize that together with Mustaine. So yeah. that was a no brainer to just do it, just freely do that and enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And, and it was cool to see Kiko uh, just geeking out, too, because having toured now, finally, after 20 years of trying to get on Megadeth tours, having toured with them and really seeing how the fans embrace Kiko and really give him the respect for doing your parts justice. I mean, it's he's he's that was a, a big thing for him was to really make sure that he did right by your parts and stuff. So to see him geeking out was really cool, too. And, and, and I'm sure you appreciate you know what a what a fan he is of yours well i appreciate uh the way he fits in and plays within megadeth making megadeth a real great band and um you know i have the ultimate respect for any band that continues for a long period of time and i believe that it's Kiko's contributions, as well as everyone else. But guitar is very important in Megadeth, obviously. Um, his contribution is kind of a very important catalyst to the heights that they're climbing to. And he's a perfect fit for that band. And I support him in that band a thousand percent. Agreed. Same. Well, Marty, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the time. Where can everybody find you and uh, and get the uh, the record? And what can we look forward to in the near future? Hopefully we'll, it'll be another another tour by the end of the year. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I don't know. When is this going to air? Is it live? Or? A week or two. It's only live for our for our Patreon crew right now. So our, our tour will be just finishing by the time you hear it. But um, hopefully again later this year. If you haven't heard it yet, Tokyo Jukebox 3 is the latest album I have. Um, I hope you dig it. Um, doing some Japan, I'm playing at Wacken Open Air. Oh, nice. Yes, in, in, in August. And that's with the same band that I'm touring with now. This band is just so on fire. I really want everyone to see it. It's, it's very disarming, this band. If you were to just listen to it, it would sound like the most brutal, heaviest, intense stuff you've ever seen. But if you look at us, it's a bunch of Japanese kids having fun. And it's just very disarming. And it's a, it's an unusual feeling. It's unusual taste. And um, so far, it's been fantastic. I hope everyone gets to uh, experience it sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Safe travels and uh, and good luck at the baseball game. I'm going to have to I'm, I got to get back into baseball. It's, ah. still, it's so boring. It's ah. so long. <laughs> well, I like the new baseball rule that they're going to have about timed pitching. Oh, really? Yeah, they're going to, you have, you know how pitchers take their time pitching? <laughs> they're going to have a time limit that you can only wait a certain amount of seconds between the next pitch. Great. It's genius. Keep it moving, please. It's genius. <laughs> hey, everybody, quick outro, letting you know. Dave Lombardo is going to be on the show next, but you could have heard it way sooner. If you subscribe over at gas digital, we got a new website, a ton of new shows. Saw Mickey gall is over there. Who did he, he just had somebody good too on his show. I, I, I it's escaping me now, but I was like, all right, respect. He got a good Mickey, guest. Mickey gets some good guests. Cause he's, they're out there in LA. 
they yeah. record out in LA, so they have access to all those LA people. Gas Digital West, if you would. That's right. <laughs> and uh, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Joseph. If you want all sorts of weekly and monthly bonus content that you won't get anywhere else. And I want to thank all our sponsors without whom we could not do this show. And uh, and again, don't forget, Dave Lombardo is coming up next. So check it out. CenturyMedia.store. The link will be in the show notes. No coupon code needed, but make sure you check out that new Glacial Domination is the name of the album from Frozen Soul. It absolutely rules. The production is amazing. I can't wait to see them play May 27th at Milwaukee Metal Fest. Get your meet and greets at martyrstore.net. And then, of course, support all the other um, Century Media Band's releases. Like, they got the new Jesus piece coming out. They got a bunch of new records coming out. Go to centurymedia.store. Also, go to monarchheavy.com. Pre-order the new Creeping Death and the new Somnuri. And check out Sam Nuri playing with yours truly at the pre-party, May 25th for Milwaukee Metal Fest at the Rave Bar. Sam Nuri, Yotuma, and Josta and friends. Thank you, Monarch Heavy. Go to monarchheavy.com. Use the promo code 666 for 15% off. Again, Indie Merch Store. Where would we be without IndieMerchStore.com? The best in the game. And they're going to have a huge setup. They'll be vending at Milwaukee Metal Fest. And if you want to get some gear before the show and rock it over there, I won't, I won't blame you. Go to IndieMercer.com. Use the promo code JOSTA10. Of course, Metal Blade will be in the house. Thank you to Metal Blade Records for coming on board as a sponsor. Go to MetalBlade.com slash Cattle Decapitation to check out the new album, Terrasite, and pray, fingers crossed, that we get Cattle Decap on Metal Fest 2024. And then, of course, check out the new Death Ray Vision featuring Mike D of Killswitch Engage fame and a bunch of other great dudes. Go to metalblade.com slash deathrayvision and check out the new Behead the King track they just released too. It's a banging new single we listened to on the music show. I think I already plugged martyrstore.net, but get your meet and greets. We just had the Violet, Violence meet and greet. So if you want to say what's up to Phil Dem, we'll bring your Machine Head CDs. He'll sign them. He'll sign the vinyl. Kirk too. Crowbar's meet and greet is going to be 2 p.m. on the Friday. Those two are on Friday. Martyrstore.net. And use the code CB20 for 20% off. All right. We will be back with Dave Lombardo. So drink your coffee. Listen to Slayer. Listen to Dave's new solo album, too. It's it's wild. It's killer. I love it. It's unique. It's different. It's nice. You know, when you're listening to death metal all day, then you put on a little. Yeah, Dave likes some uh, eclectic stuff over there. So it's yeah, definitely some, worth some a listen. Ambient uh, experimental percussion record. Why not? Lombardo, Dave saves, as we like to say. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Produced by Brian McKay. Executive producers, Jake Olszewski, Ben Lee, AJ Lewis, Garrett Keeping, Dan Smith, Nick Torito, JJ Hernandez, Joe Bartovic, Jason Jarvis, Chris Larice, Alex Smolin, Todd McKee, John Blewett, Richard Miller, Kyle Marg, Nate Leffingwell, Morgan Costner, Mark Tag, Zapagor Waikato, Niall Scollard, Kathy D'Ambrosio, Justin Steven, Jack Flanders, the Pit Commander, Andy Wilson, Jeffrey Kuhn, Kimo Humalamaki, Jonathan Metis, Brandon Cooper, Matthew Jankowskis, Jamie Kutcher, Ryan Undercoffler, Matt West, Ryan Maurice. Chad Green, Dallas Hendricks, Jacob Arensberg, Kenneth Moore, Kona Butterflies, Stephen Helm, Richard McIntosh, Jeff Stevenson, 
Ryan Williams, Larry Tooley, Dallas Bowen, Brian St. Nathan Rex Madrid, Cameron Hendricks, Scandalous Official, Joe Motson, Let's Talk Resident Evil, Andrew Chase, Guy on the Couch, Chris Winchester, Antonio Reyes, Joe Otson, Dustin Stone, Lee Walker, Ryan Levson, John Hankis, Robert Bushaw, Troy Seal, Mark Horror Armenta, Jay Liberston, Nick Fowler, Mike Horgan, Emma Horgan, Arnorock, Patrick King, Oscar Brummett, Stacy Steinecke, Fernando Somoza, Patrick O'Brien, Dominique Zimmer, Ryan Sanders, Lara Snyder, Daniel Burt, Milwaukee Metal Sausage, Adam Boss.